morning. White Oak, uh, you may be seated at this time. Thank you, Lindsay. I am thrilled to be here today. Like I was thinking about that as I was singing. It's just uh, Sunday morning for me has become a time of just like renewal and refreshing and just to hear other people speak words of life and to hear like music being sung. It's just an amazing time every single Sunday. And I'm especially excited because the winter season is here and Houston weather has finally caught up with that fact. It's super exciting to me. Um, I know I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt, but it's kind of brisk out there still. It's not piercing 90 degree weather. And uh, what's super exciting for me, now that it's December, it means that Christmas music is upon us. And I'm super excited about it. I don't know if there's anyone else in the room who listens to Christmas music all year long. Does anyone do that? Thank you. Thank you all. I'm not that weird. I just, it, it, it's the middle of June and I'm like, heart the hair. It's just an amazing <laughs> time. I love Christmas music like so much. And I think I love it because it like builds the excitement and like the anticipation of the season. It is the best season of the, of the year and it is here right now. There's something about the season that always kind of like takes me back to when I was a kid, right? Just kind of that wonder, excitement of what it means to be a kid around Christmas time. Like it takes me back to elementary school. There is no better time of year to be in elementary school than December. I'll tell you why. Because in December, December means that there are Christmas parties in every class. December means that there is two weeks of vacation from school. December means there's that one closet in the house that you're not allowed to go into because that's where all the presents are stashed. I was a good kid. I did not go and do that. I can't say that for my siblings. I think they probably uh, had a peek or two, uh, but that's okay. God forgives them. December means that the candlelight Christmas service, the Christmas Eve service is coming, which is like the most magical service of the entire year. There's like something about it. It's like night before Christmas. It's like dark, you know, it's like there's candles. We're like singing hymns. It's just an amazing, magical experience. I'm looking forward to it this year, actually. So I encourage you guys to come to that this year. It's an amazing service. For my family, December meant going in the back of the van, hopping in the back of the truck, going to see Christmas lights, right? It's a good American Christmas tradition. Now, we didn't really go in our neighborhood because it wasn't, you know, people didn't really participate, but we went to the neighborhood across the street, the nicer neighborhood, and got to see all of their wonderful and beautiful lights. And lastly, December means, or at least when I was a kid, December meant waking up at 12.01 a.m. on Christmas morning to go downstairs and open the presents. I'm not even sure my parents were asleep by that time before we were already going down the stairs ready to check out what we had gotten. It seems like there's nothing in the world that beats the, 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 just the childlike wonder that comes with Christmas time when you're a kid. And that's kind of what Advent is about. It's about reclaiming, recapturing that wonder that we once experienced in the Christmas season. But now, as adults, we know that, like, video games and Barbie Playhouse is not going to bring the wonder that it once did. Like, as adults, we know that Jesus is the wonder of Christmas. Like, Jesus is the gift that is given unto us by God, and he came into the world and unleashed these amazing realities in our lives. 
Like last week, John talked about how when Jesus came, he ushered in a resurgence of joy to the world. This week, we're going to talk about how uh, Jesus ushered in a peace with God, a peace that changes your entire perspective on life and your circumstances. Jesus ushered in the kingdom of God, a kingdom of justice and truth, a kingdom of which there will be no end. And Jesus is our Savior, our Deliverer, the Lamb of God who's come into the world. Advent is about stopping and just basking in that goodness and the amazing reality that God is for you. So today we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. Feel free to um, open there if you want. But before we read it, um, I just want you to see that the birth of Jesus is like not some random event in the history of the world, right? It's like God didn't just wake up one day and decide, oh, this is the day I'm going to send Jesus. Like, no, no, no. Christmas is the culmination of God's plan from the beginning. Christmas is the climax of history. Like from the very beginning, whenever man sinned and fell, God had a plan. He said that he, would, he promised that he was going to send a Messiah one day who would rescue us from our sin, rescue us from our pain, rescue us from our guilt. Christmas is the culmination of thousands of years of people praying and hoping that a Messiah would come and rescue them. Everything that happened before Christmas happened in anticipation of it, and everything that happened, has happened since, is in light of it. Christmas, as John Piper says, cut history into two. Christmas is the culmination of thousands of years of, of a prophetic message that one day God would intervene himself in the world and would make it right. As Timothy Keller would say, Christmas is God writing himself into his play. And with this in mind, this idea that, that Christmas is the climax of history, let's read Luke chapter 2, starting at verse 1. It says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for him, for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. 
And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Amen. You see what Luke is trying to show us here? Do you see like all the signs and wonders that are happening around this birth? It's like this event is so central to God's overarching plan for the world that it was accompanied by this heightened display of the supernatural. Like we don't normally see this stuff happen in everyday life, right? A virgin gives birth. There's cosmological phenomena, stars moving through the sky, leading people to the place of this baby so that they can worship him. There was prophetic utterances about the birth of a divine king. There were dreams and visions, and to top it all off, his birth was ushered in, not by just one, but by a multitude of angels singing, Glory to God in the highest, and on on earth peace among those with whom he's pleased. Everything surrounding the birth of Jesus shouts, Look, behold, God is here. The climax of history has come. And the reason that it's the climax of history, the glorious truth I want you to revel in with me this morning, is Christmas is the intersection of God's glory and your peace. The prophetic message of Christmas is glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. And I'm going to spend the rest of our time showing you how these two things are connected and why that's good news for you this Christmas. So first, how is Christmas about God's glory? We know from reading his word that the reason God created the world, the the goal that he had in mind in creating the world was to display his glory among his creatures. Of course, you know the story, how we kind of went our own way. We, we, we didn't really want his way. We fell into sin. And so we started going this new way, this different path called sin. And it's not like God's glory was diminished, but it's kind of like it, we had blinders on our eyes to how great and awesome he is, right? Like our, we, we were looking at our sin. It like turned us away from how awesome God is. But in Christmas... Jesus, when he was born, it's like God was refocusing our attention on how amazing he is. The Apostle John, this guy who walked with Jesus, lived with him for about three years, in the beginning of his gospel, his testimony of Jesus' life, he says this, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace. truth. So Jesus, the Son of God, came into creation to display the glory of God. Jesus didn't come in the world to like make much of us. He came in the world to make much of God. Everything that he did from his birth to his life to his death to his resurrection to his ascension, everything he did pointed people to say, God is great. Like every inclination of Jesus' heart was to bring glory to his Father. It's an amazing fact about the incarnation that, that, that Jesus never sinned. Everything he did was to the glory 
of God. He lived a perfect life that none of us could ever, ever, ever hope to live. And Jesus would have taken that perfect life, right? He could have taken that perfect life. He could have turned to God and he says, he could have said, look at these humans that you created. Look at these humans. Look at how they failed you. I live the perfect righteous life that you require, God, so give them what they deserve. God could have displayed his glory to the world by judging us in that way. But the amazing fact about Christmas is that Jesus brought God glory by bringing us peace. One little word, by, changed everything. Jesus brought God glory by bringing us peace. In Jesus' birth, in his death, in his resurrection, God solved this great problem between his great glory, his holiness, his holiness that has nothing to do with sin or sinful creatures on the one hand, and on the other hand, his great love for you and for me, even in our sin. And the way that God solved that problem was by sending Jesus into the world to live this perfect life, to die on the cross in our place, and to rise three days later from the dead so that he could bring life to all those who trust in him. This is the amazing thing that was ushered in by Christmas. As soon as Jesus was born, it was like it started an unstoppable trajectory of bringing redemption to the world. Paul says in Colossians, Jesus made peace between us and God by the blood of his cross. And this is the very thing that God used to bring himself glory. Like Jesus redeemed us from our sin and he brought us out of that life so that we could bring God glory. It's like, yes, God gets glory whenever he brings judgment on the world, and that will happen in the future, but God gets more glory when he lavishes his grace, and he lavishes his love, and he lavishes his peace on you so that we can return it into praise to him. Like, think about it. Jesus was born, and when he was born, it set into motion a chain of events that ultimately led to all of us sitting in this room today talking about how amazing God's love is. This is the power of Christmas. Like, I am a sinful human being. I sinned this week. And I am up here before you saying God is amazing and he's glorious and he is gracious in my life. And earlier we were singing songs about God's goodness and his grace. And it's all because Jesus came to earth, lived among us, and died for us. Jesus brought God glory by bringing us peace with God, by by connecting that chasm that was between us and God because of our sin. So I wanted to take a moment and talk about this word for peace, uh, because I use it a lot. And sometimes when you use a word over and over and over and over and over again, it's kind of like it loses its meaning, right? And so in in, in our context, we think of peace. and, And when we think of peace, we think of it as like the absence of conflict, right? Like we're at peace when another country, when we're not fighting each other. We're at war when another country, when we are fighting each other. So we have this idea of peace that's kind of like negative, right? It's just neutral, 
So maybe today you have this idea like God gave you peace or like Jesus gave you peace with God. So maybe you're just thinking, okay, good. Like, God's not mad at me anymore. Right? We're, we're, we're good now, you know. It's not that he's like super thrilled about me, but at least he's not mad at me anymore. But I think the word that, 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 that's used in the Hebrew, the word that I think that Luke is trying to, to, to describe is so much more than the peace that we um, think about or, or think we know that God has given us. The problem is there's no like one-to-one ratio for the word that's used in the Bible for peace and the word that we have in English. The closest concept is this, this Hebrew word called shalom. Like it's probably not a word you've encountered and that's okay, but it's used over and over and over again in the Bible. So whenever you see peace in the Bible, it's probably this word shalom. You see, shalom is different than our kind of peace because shalom unleashes the blessings of God into your life. Shalom is living in perfect harmony with God because of Jesus Christ. Shalom is dwelling with and flourishing within the goodness of God. It's knowing that everything that happens in your life, all the circumstances, good and bad, are working for your good. Like stress, busyness, like bad things happening, all these different things. The Bible says they're working for your good. And shalom is recognizing that you have peace with God and that everything he does is going to be for your ultimate joy forever and ever and ever and ever in eternity. This is this idea of shalom that the Bible offers us and that Jesus purchased for us. This idea that God intends for you to live in joyful wonder toward him as he opens his doors wide and welcomes you to bask in his goodness. When you have the shalom of God, you know that everything's going to be all right. And in Jesus, the shalom of God rests on you forever. Like it cannot be taken away. Jesus purchased that for you. You have the peace of God in him Always. Now the world will kind of look at, you know, the state of affairs. They'll see this chaotic world. They'll see racial strife. They'll see terrorist attacks. And they'll say, there's no peace. Like Jesus accomplished nothing. He's no prince of peace. And my answer to that is really, really simple. One day, God will restore the world back to the shalom that it had. He will restore all things back to himself, and there will only be goodness in the world. But in the meantime, God has chosen to to not work shalom from the outside in. He works shalom from the inside out. So shalom starts here in the hearts of those who trust him. Shalom begins here in this place with us. And it spreads out into the world as we share the amazing love of Jesus with those who are around us. Shalom starts small with us, but it will grow into a kingdom in which we will live forever and ever. So my encouragement to you as we draw toward the end is embrace the shalom that is already yours this Christmas. Embrace the shalom that is already yours this Christmas. This is an unchanging reality in your life. Jesus has purchased peace for you. You can't.
cannot escape the peace of God. You cannot do it in Jesus. No matter where you go, however far you go, God's peace rests on you. He's working for your good. He wants you to live in joyful wonder of Him, and He is always going to be working for your ultimate good. The world looks like it's falling apart. You don't have to read the headlines to know that it's falling apart. It's obvious. But in Christmas, we see the baby Jesus become the boy Jesus, become the man Jesus who spoke the words over you. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. This past week, a married couple shot and killed 14 people and injured 21 others in San Bernardino, California. Among the victims was Mike Wetzel, father of six. I'm sure you know by now, one of the media headlines was, God is not fixing this. But Mike had a different view. I want to read you an excerpt from a video that Mike's church posted in the wake of the tragedy. This was days ago, Mike stood at the front of his church celebrating Advent just like us, and he said these words. He says, is your heart running low on hope, joy, love, and peace this season? Your heart can be a manger where Christ can give birth to new life in you. Whatever your heart needs is wrapped perfectly in the gift of the living Jesus. Joy to the world at his birth and right now this very day too. Just as surely as he filled the manger designed only for Jesus, he filled your heart with grace and will empower you with what you need to live the life God has designed only for you. Because you are no afterthought or backup plan either. Mike got it. Mike had the peace of God in him. And now he dwells forever in the presence and the peace of God. This is the hope that we hold on to this Christmas. That regardless of how rough life gets, regardless of, of how busy we get, regardless of what tragedy awaits us, regardless of what, what happens in our future, good or bad, we have a resilient hope in Jesus that not even death can stop. So this season, I just encourage you to stop and to rest and to reflect on the resilient peace that you have in Jesus. It cannot be taken away from you. No one can take it away from you. This is the climax of history, and this is why Christmas is the climax of history, because Jesus has come into the world, and he is making all things new, and he's starting with us. peace that Christmas brings into your life is powerful. It's so powerful that God will resurrect the hopeful hearts of all who trust in him. So make that your hope this Christmas season. Inner peace floods into your heart and mind whenever you start thinking about and basking in the truth of Jesus. This idea that he says that, that he has overcome the world and he tells us to take heart. So as we close, I want to I pray the prayer that Mike prayed in this video that I watched. It's just a couple of weeks ago he, he prayed this prayer. Um, I hope that it moves you 
into hopeful wonder as it moved me as well. So let's pray. Dear God, we come to you with great hope. You brought forth your Son to be hope to the world. Not one detail of his birth, life, and death escaped your attention. Thank you for always having a perfect plan for your will to be done and providing every resource we need to accomplish this important work set before us. We thank you and we trust you. Dear Heavenly Father, as we listen to the words that Mike prayed for you, Lord, as we as a church reflect on this amazing peace that he had, Lord, we know that we have that same peace. So I pray over these people, Lord, I pray over my brothers and sisters in this place, Lord, that they would begin to dwell on the amazing things that Christmas unleashed into their lives. Lord, may we walk around and maybe live lives of wonder, thinking about you, thinking about your goodness, thinking about your grace, and thinking about the peace that was purchased for us through Jesus Christ. Lord, we look forward to the day when we will spend eternity in heaven with people like Mike. We look forward to the day when you will reestablish your shalom over this world and there will be no more pain, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more tears. But in the meantime, we hold on against that resilient hope. It drives us to trust in you. And most of all, we praise you, King Jesus the Savior who's born into the world. It's the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen.